Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. How are we this morning? I really want to encourage you if you do want to grow deep with God, you want to, this next season is a season of uh, finding your place to serve God, encourage you to check out uh, GMS, have a talk to Ash up the back on the, uh, the sound desk or to Max up here playing guitars, a whole bunch of uh, people here that have been part of GMS and God's really uh, equipped them for the ministry that, uh, that God's called them to, whether that's in the church or in the marketplace. Hey, uh, who's ready for God just to move in our hearts this morning? Come on, we ready for that? All right, if you're ready for that, let's pray with me. God, I thank you. Thank you that you are here by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're always moving. Even in the moments when we can't feel it and we can't see it, God, you are moving. God, you are, you are at work in our lives as we open your word. Your word is living and active and by your spirit, you, you take these words and that you shape us. You actually make us uh, more like Jesus. You, you fill us with love and with joy and with hope. And God, I pray today that as we open your word, that you would renew hope in the hearts of your people. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, we're continuing our our series today called uh, Jesus in the Picture. Have you ever wondered, my mind sometimes wonders about all sorts of strange things, have you ever wondered how many random people's photos you've ended up in on holidays? You know, you just happened to be there in the background. As they took the photo, as they took that picture, you just happened to be in the background. They might not have wanted you in the picture. They probably didn't notice at the time you are in the picture. When they look back at uh, that picture a little bit later on, they still don't really notice you. They don't recognize you because you're not the focus of their picture. But you're in the picture. You know, one day I just want to be, uh, you know, scrolling through someone's photos I've never met before and just realised we were in the same place at the same time we didn't actually know it. All of us here in this room, we'd actually be in the background of a whole bunch of random people's photos that we don't know about it and they don't notice you because their focus isn't on you and so they don't really recognise you. This happens accidentally all the time. It's actually become a sport in the last decade called photo bombing. And uh, people deliberately get in other people's pictures. Sometimes it happens deliberately, sometimes it happens accidentally, but there's a whole bunch of times that we're in the background of other people's pictures. I actually just found myself just uh, randomly in a few people's pictures recently. If you look closely, you might notice my presence in the picture. You see, we've watched this, we've looked at this picture, you know, every day for the last uh, 18 months and nobody notices the bureaucrats in the background. But there I am, just uh, sitting in the back. Have a look at the next one. You know, I uh, (laughs) just happened to be in the background on security detail uh, that day, but none of you have ever noticed Because you're so focused on the star attraction, you don't pay any attention to who's in the background. This is very, very true when it comes to rock stars. You've, uh, just look at the next one. You see, uh, everyone knows Tay-Tay, everyone knows the, uh, the, the, the main singer, but nobody pays any attention to Tay-Tay's, you know, back, uh, uh, backup singers. They're just in the background. You've never even noticed that I was there. And lastly, one of the greatest events in the last 30 years when Australia won the World Cup. Some of you have seen that photo before. And you've never noticed who's in the background. Now, it wasn't me because I couldn't be on a smartphone because smartphones weren't invented in 1991. But there's people in that background of that picture you've, uh, you've never, ever noticed before. 
You know, we end up in the background of other people's pictures without being noticed or recognised because you're not the focus of the picture. When you're not the focus, you just end up in the background, you don't get noticed and you don't get recognised. I actually wonder, I wonder how often Jesus is in the background of our picture. You know, in this room here today, we've all got, you know, there's a picture of our lives of what's going on right now in all of our lives. And I I wonder how often Jesus is actually in the background of the picture. And we haven't noticed him. And we haven't recognized him. Because our eyes aren't focused on him. We're actually so focused on what we're going through. We're so focused on our situation right now, however good, bad or ugly it is. We haven't noticed that Jesus is actually very, very close. He's in the picture. But we haven't always noticed him, we haven't always recognised him. This actually happens for a, uh, a couple walking along the road on the very first Easter Sunday. They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus begins walking beside them, but they don't recognize he's in the picture. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 24. It says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. Now these two have been following Jesus. They've been listening to his teaching. They've been watching his, his miracles. They're, uh, one of them's name's Cleopas. We're not sure what the other one's name is. Many people believe it was his wife, Mary, who was one of the Marys who was at the cross. We're not entirely sure, but it's quite possibly uh, a man named Cleopas and his wife, Mary, that are walking along and they were definitely at the cross when Jesus died. They've been following Jesus, they've seen everything that Jesus has done, and they've seen, just in the last few days, they've seen everything that has been done to Jesus. But as Jesus walks alongside them in his resurrected body, in the kind of body that we one day will have in heaven, as he walks alongside them in his resurrected body, they were kept from recognizing him. He was in the picture, they just didn't realize he was there. And so this random bloke who's walking alongside them, verse uh, 17, says to this couple, what are you discussing as you walk along the road? And his question stops them in their tracks. And Luke says that they stood still. They actually stopped walking. This was such a bizarre question to them. This question, you know, was so alarming to them that they stood still, stopped in their tracks, and their faces were downcast. Give me your best downcast face. I can't see it under that mask, but uh, some of you don't have to try very hard to have a downcast face in church. We've kind of got this face that we have in church. You know, we kind of think we've got to be serious or sad. You know, sometimes we sit in church and it looks like we've been sucking on a bowl full of lemons. But some of you this morning under that mask, you've actually got a downcast face because of what you're walking through right now. Because you're walking down an unexpected road and you're sad. You're simply sad because of what's happened to you now and your face is downcast. All of us faced unexpected events that make us sad. And we end up downcast or disillusioned or disappointed. And there will be many of us in this room that are dealing with those emotions today. And as we keep reading this story, we find out why this couple was downcast. Verse 17 says, Jesus said to them, what are you discussing as you walk along the road? One of them named Cleopas asked him, 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Cleopas is saying to, to, to Jesus, who he just thinks is this random guy walking along the, the road, he says, have you been living under a rock, mate? You know, you're the only one who doesn't know, you know, what has happened, this cataclysmic event that has just happened in Jerusalem. Are you really the only one that hasn't heard the news? What kind of rock are you living under? Now, at this point, Jesus could have made them feel really stupid. He he could have actually said, well, actually, I have heard of that bloke. You know, actually, I was there in the beginning. Actually, I was there in the manger. Actually, I, I was there in the boat when I said to the wind and to the waves, be still. Actually, you know, I, I was there when, you know, he turned water into wine. You know, I, I was there, you know, when fish and bread appeared from heaven. You know, I was there on the cross, not just at the cross. I was there in the tomb. You know, I was there in the beginning and I'll be there in the end. I am the resurrection from the dead. You know, I am the beginning and the end. I am Jesus, you pair of nutbags. That's what he could have said. He could have said, I'm him and I'm in the picture with you right now. But Jesus is much kinder than me. That's probably what I would have said. But Jesus, much more politely, simply says, what things? What what things are you talking about? This is what they say, verse 19. About Jesus of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But say these next word, three words with me. But we had hoped. Just say them again. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Those three words have a place somewhere in all of our lives. We had hoped. We've all used those words at different times in our life. You know, we had hoped, you know, to have the perfect marriage and to raise the perfect children in the perfect home. But our relationship went down a road that we did not expect. You know, we had hoped to set ourselves up, you know, financially for the future. But, but we lost our business and we had to close our doors and we lost our dream and somewhere along the way we lost our way. You know, we had hoped to make a difference with our lives. We had big dreams of how we were going to, to make a kingdom difference with our lives. But somewhere we walked down a different road and we lost our way. We had hoped that our kids would follow Jesus. But our son went down a road we never thought he'd go down. We had hoped. I don't know what your we had hoped story is. But at some point in our lives, those three words have all been part of our story. We had hoped. For for Cleopas and Mary, they said we had hoped that Jesus of Nazareth was the one that was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. You see, Cleopas and Mary were part of God's chosen people. They were part of the, the, the people of Israel. Their life did have a purpose. Their, their purpose as the people of Israel was to represent God on earth, to worship Him in such a way that, that uh, He was glorified, that the glory of the Lord would be seen, that other nations would look in and would see the glory of the Lord and understand who God is. They were God's chosen people. They had a purpose in their lives. But in their lifetimes... Their lifetime, the glory had not been in Israel. 
all they had known was suffering. They'd been oppressed and they'd been persecuted by one nation after another. But they'd heard the promise of this coming Messiah. All of the prophets spoke about one, you know, who would come and bring redemption to Israel, who would save God's people. And along comes Jesus. And he starts performing powerful miracles. And they had hoped that he was the promised Messiah. You know, they'd hoped that he was going to come in and overthrow the ruling powers and make everything good again and take away all their suffering once and for all. But in the last few days, this this one great hope that they had, that they'd actually seen him arrested, flogged, crucified and placed his dead body in a tomb. You've got to understand for these guys, Jesus is not just dead. Jesus was crucified. It's what the Romans did to people to make a mockery of them. It's what the Romans did to to, to any interloper who came along, who, who tried to disturb the peace. They would make a mockery by crucifying them naked in front of all of the people, full of shame making sure that the whole of Jerusalem saw Rome was still in charge. Rome will always win. As they walk down this unexpected road, they're feeling downcast or they're feeling sad. And there'll be many of us here in the room for one reason or another. There's some sadness in our hearts. And they're feeling hopeless. They're they're the one that they had hoped in was now dead and buried. And all of their hopes were dead and buried with him. It felt like it was over. Maybe some of us are feeling a bit like that today. Just struggling to find hope. In the midst of the struggles that you're walking through in your life and and what's going on around our globe right now. Struggling to hold on to hope. Cleopas says, even on this day, verse 22, even on this day, there have been some strange reports. The women went to the tomb and said his body was not there. You know, they'd seen Jesus die before their very eyes. They'd seen his body, you know, carried into a tomb. And now, on the third day, they've heard the story that his body's no longer there. And they're scratching their heads, they're pulling their beards, they're walking along asking some of the same questions that we often ask in times like this. Why would God let this happen? Now, where is God in all of this? Has God actually given up on us? And maybe the question some of us are asking right now with what's going on around our globe, Is God really in control? Is God really in control? And so as they walk along this road, they're sad, they're feeling hopeless, and they're confused. I don't know what your picture is right now. I don't know if if someone just took a, a picture of your life right now, whether right now one of those three words might describe you. There's some sadness in your heart. There's some hopelessness in an area of your life. Well, there's just some confusion. Can I encourage you today that whatever is going on in your life, Jesus is in the picture. And when Jesus is in the picture, everything changes. Come on, let's read a bit more of the, bit more of the story. Jesus says, verse 25, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus begins to unpack 
what the scriptures actually said about the coming Messiah and about the nature of suffering. You see, they thought that God was going to send a Messiah who would save Israel from their suffering from now on. They would not have to suffer on this earth ever again. But this stranger walking along the road unpacks the scriptures to them and explains to them, points to them from all of scripture that the Messiah will save Israel, but not only Israel, but the entire world, including Logan in 2021, through his suffering. He is actually doing something far bigger than what they'd ever imagined. He wasn't just coming to set free one group of people in one part of the world from any suffering on this earth. He was actually coming into the world to save the whole of humankind through his suffering on the cross. You see, this stranger pointed them to 613 Old Testament laws and 300 plus prophecies about the Messiah over 500 years that were perfectly fulfilled by one man in history and one man only, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You see, the suffering of Jesus on the cross was not some random event. It was not some picture of Roman domination. The suffering of Jesus on the cross is not a story of God's people being defeated by evil again. The suffering of Jesus on the cross is the story of God defeating sin and evil for all people once and for all. Verse 28, it says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly to stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Jesus is in the picture. A guy named Caravaggio actually painted this picture uh, many years ago now painted the picture of Jesus sitting with his, these uh, couple on the road from Emmaus or on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem as he broke bread. You can just see in the shadow on the table the hole in his hand as he holds it up. This picture changed everything for this couple as they began to recognize that Jesus truly had risen from the dead. This picture is still true today. This picture still changes everything for us today. Luke carefully records some important words in this story. They're words that this couple would have heard many times before when the story of creation was told. They'd grown up as, uh, in Sunday school. They'd grown up hearing the story of creation. They would have heard the story of Adam and Eve, the first couple, when they sinned and ate some fruit from the tree, and it says their eyes were opened. Adam and Eve's eyes were opened, and they saw suffering and pain and death for the first time. These are really important words. Now, when this couple eat bread with Jesus, same words are used. Their eyes were opened and they saw that death had been defeated. When, when Adam and Eve in the garden, their eyes were opened. When, when they sinned, they saw sin and pain and death and destruction for the first time. But, but now we actually see the redemption from sin come through the resurrection of Jesus. And their eyes were opened and they saw, you know, that what, what, what brought death into the world, you know, thousands of years before, it had now been redeemed because Jesus had gone through death, taken on sin and come out the other side alive. Their eyes were opened. Sin and death were defeated. They could see that God would not only suffer, you know, for our sin, but he triumphed over sin and death. 
Their eyes were open and they could see that sin did not get the last word. Their eyes were opened and they could see that death is not at the end of the story. Their eyes were opened and they could see that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and in the greatest act of power this world has ever seen, every hope in every heart was raised up with him. You see, when we see the risen Jesus, hope rises in our heart. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. Can I hear an amen this morning? The Lord's risen. Jesus is alive. Picture this. Your whole life, you've been suffering and you've heard about a day when a Messiah, a Savior will come and set you free from the power of sin and death. And then Jesus comes along and you think this is the one. He performs miracles. He brings people back from the dead. He forgives people's sins. But then you see him crucified. In the last few days, you've seen him spat upon and flogged and placed in a tomb and dead and buried. And all your hopes and dreams are dead and buried with him. But then the risen Jesus walks back into your picture. And although you don't recognize him, he points to every prophecy that is fulfilled. He points to every Old Testament law. The only one who's ever perfectly obeyed the law. And you begin to see that Jesus truly has risen from the dead and everything changes. I just want you to picture what you're walking through today. Whether your picture is one of sadness and downcast, confusion, or maybe you're feeling hopeless. There's some dreams you had for the future and it just feels like they're all coming crumbling down. Can I just encourage you today, Jesus is in your picture. He'll always be in your picture. And when you focus on the risen Jesus who's in your picture, he will renew the hope in your heart. That's what he does. When you see the risen Jesus, when your eyes are focused on the risen Jesus and not the situation that you're walking through, he renews hope in your heart. Whatever unexpected road you're walking down right now, there is hope for you today because Jesus is in your picture. The question is, are you focused on the road that you're walking down or are you focused on the one who is walking beside you? Because when you see that the risen Jesus is walking beside you, your hope will be renewed. I want to encourage you as I finish today to fix your eyes on the risen Jesus and he will renew the hope in your heart. Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who'd like to walk out of here today overflowing with hope? That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, you know, comes in and, and fills us in such a way that we actually overflow with hope when the events of this life drain us of hope. We're not walking down an Emmaus road after just witnessing the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but we're walking down unexpected roads. We're as, a, as a globe right now, we're walking down an unexpected road. Road, And I believe this is a pivotal time in church history. This is not a time to lose hope, but it's a time to fix our eyes on the risen Jesus. You know, that uh, photo I put up before of the 1991 uh, Rugby World Cup. Great moment. I'm a big rugby fan. 
That was uh, first year out of high school, 1991. Nick Far Jones, who's actually a committed Christian, was captaining uh, the Wallabies. I was uh, fanatical about rugby at the time. I remember sitting up with a whole bunch of mates on that night, actually before that, the quarterfinal against Ireland. And Australia was expected to win the quarterfinal and progress, you know, through to the semi-final. I remember it must have been about one o'clock in the morning, Australian time. We're up, up watching the quarterfinal. And as we started watching, we just presumed that Australia was going to win and progress through to the uh, semi-final. But uh, halfway through the second half, you know, Ireland scored an unexpected try and they were up 18-15 and they were holding on, you know, to their lead. I remember sitting with my mates in that lounge room. We're throwing stuff at the TV. We're biting our nails. We're on the edge of our seats. We're yelling at the referee every time he made a call against Australia. Every time an Australian dropped the ball. You know, we're screaming at players on the other side of the world through the TV. The tension in my lounge room was palpable as Ireland was defeating, unexpectedly was defeating Australia, 18 to 15, and if Ireland beat them in the quarterfinal, Australia was out, and all of our hopes of Australia winning the World Cup, you know, were absolutely dashed. There were no second chances. But I'll never forget, in the last 30 seconds of the game, when it looked like all hope was lost, Australia win a scrum, Nick Farr Jones picks it up from the back of the scrum, passes to Michael Liner, passes to Jason Little, passes to Tim Horan, passes to Campo, who dodges around a few players and heads for the corner post, but he gets tackled and as he hits the ground, he pops it back up and Michael Liner, who's been chasing all the way around the side of the field, picked it up near his ankles and drived, dived over the try line and scored in, the, in, uh, in Ireland and won the game for Australia. And I remember the celebrations in our lounge room when it looked like hope was lost. You know, Australia defeated the enemy and they progressed through to the semi-final. You know, I've watched that try. I reckon 150 times since. And I still clap and cheer when Michael Liner scores that try. But there's no more tension in the room. There's no more stress in my heart. I'm not worried about the outcome. I know who lifted the trophy. I know who's already won the game. It happened 30 years ago. And as much as I still celebrate the victory, I'm not worried in, in the tension. I'm not worried about the unexpected things that happened in the game anymore because I know how it turns out in the end. Australia wins. Now, I hope you're getting the connection already. Not 30 years ago, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus won the victory. He did hang on a cross to forgive your sins. He was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. The women went to that tomb to anoint his dead body. And he was not there. Instead, there was an angel who said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And he walked along a road that afternoon. And it showed himself to a couple. And, and there was holes in his hands as he, as he ate with them. But he wasn't just the women who saw the risen Jesus. It wasn't just this couple along the road. 500 people over a six-week period saw the risen Jesus. They ate with the risen Jesus. Now, if I came in here this morning and said, I actually uh, saw the Queen of England at the Logan Hyperdome last week. Most of you would laugh. You'd go, if the Queen was in Brisbane, surely she'd shop at Carindale. <laughs> Not the Hyperdome. You'd think, I'm on drugs. Now, pressure's got to Jason. But 
if 500 people walked in this room and said, we all saw the Queen at the Hyperdome, you'd have to listen. Now, you need to understand these 500 people that saw Jesus alive, many of them lost their lives because they would not stop declaring to the world that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Fix your eyes on the risen Jesus and he will renew the hope in your heart. Let me encourage you today, focus on your glorious eternity, not your current calamity. We've all got some current calamities and we can spend all our time focusing on them and we will be worried, we will be stressed, we will be anxious. Focus on your glorious eternity. The days before the death and resurrection of Jesus, he described that there would be difficulties. He told his disciples, hey, this isn't all just going to be a bed of roses. There's going to be tough days ahead. And the church into the future, there's going to be tough days ahead as you wait for me to come again and make all things right. This is what Jesus says. He says, when you walk down a tough road, you're sad, you're confused, you're feeling hopeless, don't focus on your current calamity, but focus on your glorious eternity because I'm coming soon. He says this, I love this, this one verse in Luke 21. He says, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is near. When you see difficulties in the world around you, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. You know, Paul and the early church was like going through, were in the same time the early church were living in when they were going through tough times. He says, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So this is what he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There are light and momentary troubles we're walking through right now, but don't focus on your current calamity. Focus on your glorious eternity. Focus on Jesus, who who has an inheritance for you that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Focus on your glorious eternity, not on our current calamity. And lastly, just be alert, but not alarmed by global suffering. See, it's not just our own personal difficulty we're walking through right now. Our whole globe is going through some suffering. And Peter says, be alert. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I've seen that happen in the last 18 months. Seen people lose their faith. They don't understand that we will walk through suffering, but Jesus still wins in the end. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Is that true right now? It's true. The whole world's going through this, but Jesus is still in the picture. Don't let the enemy drag you down. Be alert, but not alarmed. When Jesus was telling them, about the things that will happen in the days to come, about what we will have to walk through before he comes again. He says this, he says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. But listen to this, but see to it that you are not alarmed. I've seen too many people get alarmed in the last 18 months. See to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. He says, be alert and pray when the world is undergoing suffering. And we should be doing this. This is a time to pray. This is a time to get to the prayer meeting. This is a time to meet with your life group and to pray. This is not a time to be a Sunday Christian. This is a pivotal time in church history. 
This is a time to gather together in community on a Sunday. It's a time to gather, you know, with a small group during the week and to pray together. It's a time, I believe, we're living in a time that, you know, is a little like Daniel who's in exile, going through incredible times where we see every single day, suffering after suffering, he gets down on his knees morning, noon and night and he prays. And I wonder whether some of us, it's just a discipline we've got to get into our lives in this season. We've actually got to choose to find some time morning, noon and night just to fix our eyes back on Jesus because of all that's going on in our lives right now. It might just be five minutes in the middle of work or before you get to work. It might just be five minutes in your lunch break where you just go, I just need to fix my eyes back on Jesus. This is not a time to be a Sunday Christian. This is a time to be alert. Now, I'm not saying there's ever a time to be a Sunday Christian, but I'm saying this time is a pivotal time in church history. We're to be alert. We are to pray because the enemy is wanting to drag people down. But it's not a time to be alarmed. Not a time to focus on the suffering. It's a time to focus on Jesus. He says, see to it that you're not alarmed by disturbing events in the world around you. I tell you, every generation has needed to listen to Jesus' words because every generation has faced disturbing events and have been alarmed. I've wondered if God is still in control. Not many of us were around in the late 1940s, but in the late 1940s, after the atomic bombs were dropped, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the Western world was alarmed. Everyone, particularly in the US, the UK, and to a lesser extent, probably Australia, everyone was talking about atomic bombs. Everyone was worried about atomic bombs. It was front and center of everyone's mind, and it was causing great fear and panic. People were alarmed. And C.S. Lewis, a great Christian thinker and writer of the time, was asked in 1948, what do you think about the atomic threat the world is facing? And I'm going to read his response from an essay that he wrote. But as I read the response, I want you to remove the word atomic bomb or atomic threat, and I want you to replace it with coronavirus. And this is written in 1948. It was just a different thing the world was focused on. I want you to replace atomic bomb or atomic threat with coronavirus. C.S. Lewis says this. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed as you were already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anaesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, Let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing something something sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint. C.S. Lewis wasn't a Baptist. And a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies but they need not dominate our minds.
as a word for us today. Fix your eyes on Jesus and He will renew hope in our hearts. For some of us, Jesus is in the background of our picture right now. We're not seeing Him. We're not focused on Him. We're not noticing Him. We're not listening to His words. But He's there. He'll always be there. He's promised He'll be with us till the very end of the age. Let's choose today. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And let Him renew the hope in our heart. Come and stand together this morning. I want to pray for us in a minute, but just before... I do that. I just want to give anyone an opportunity. If you're here and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you haven't asked Him to forgive your sins, you haven't looked to Him on the cross and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive my sins. I want you to nail my sins to the cross. If today you're here, maybe you're here with friends or you're here with family or you're not even sure why you're here, but you're here. And Jesus is just drawing you into a relationship with Him. He's not come to condemn you. He's come to save you. He's actually come to take your sins, which once separated you from the presence of God, and allow you to come into His presence now and for all eternity. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads for a minute. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and today ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Can I just, while everyone's eyes are closed and heads bowed, can I just get you to raise your hand just for a minute? Say, I want to pray that prayer. Bless you. Up the back, bless you. That's cool. Who else today? Just say, that's me. Anybody else today? That's cool. You can put your hand down. If that's you, can I just encourage you, just keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. And Why don't we all pray this prayer together? If this is true for you today, why don't you pray it with these guys today? Just pray it out loud. Father God, thank you that you have always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. I ask today that you would forgive my sins. And I declare today that Jesus was raised from the dead and is alive. And I choose to follow you, Jesus, from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, come on, why don't we just put our hands together, just encourage those guys this morning. Can I encourage you, if that was you, please come and see me or talk to the person that you came with today. Just let them know that you prayed that prayer today. We just love to help you, you know, keep growing in your relationship with God. Please do that before you leave today. We're going to finish by singing a song which just uh, uh, declares that Jesus is our living hope. He's alive today. He'll be our hope forevermore. But before we do that, I just want to pray for some people. I just reckon there's some of us here today, you know, God's put a dream in your heart. Maybe a dream for your family, a dream for your business, a dream, you know, for this church, a dream in ministry. Uh, there's a dream in your heart. And, and, and just in the, the last little while, it just feels like, you know, hope has just been slipping out the bottom of your heart. It's kind of like your heart's a sieve and, and hope's just been slipping out the bottom. I just believe today God wants to put a plug in and He wants to fill your heart with hope. Whatever that dream might be, whatever it is that God's placed in your heart, it might feel too big right now. It might feel impossible right now. It might feel like your kids are too far gone right now. I don't know what it is. But if today you'd say, God, Come by your Spirit. Fill me with hope that I may overflow with hope, that I may live out of the hope, that I may focus not on what is seen in front of me, but focus on the unseen. You would fill my heart with so much hope. I would trust you and trust your word. Come on, if you just want to be filled with fresh with hope this morning, just come to the front right now. I just want to pray for you together. Come on, some of you here just need... God, by your spirit's here, he's just going to fill your heart with hope. Just come, just spread out across the front. I don't know whether it's for your family, I don't know if it's for a ministry, 
my goal was to fill people's heart with hope. I'm going to read that scripture again from Romans chapter 15 and I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to sing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Just put your hands out, read and receive this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, today that is our prayer. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would pour your hope, your joy into our hearts. That God, where our eyes have been focused on the difficulty we're walking through, where our eyes have been focused on the suffering around this globe, where our eyes have been focused on restrictions that have been placed upon us, we might lift our eyes to heaven and we might see you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who is risen from the dead, seated at the right hand. All power and authority has been given to you. God, today, I pray for a renewed hope. God, for family to be restored, for family members to come home. God, for businesses to thrive. God, for ministry dreams that you put in our heart. God, bring them back into focus. As we focus on you, would you bring those dreams back into focus that we would not let go of the thing that you have placed in our heart. God, may our hearts overflow with hope today. God, help us to lift our eyes to heaven. In these difficult times, help us right now to lift our eyes to heaven. Where does our help come from? It comes from you, Lord Jesus. Lift our eyes to heaven. Our redemption is near. Jesus, you will come again one day and you'll make all things right. But God, as we walk down this unexpected road, I pray that you'd help us right now to focus in on you, to focus our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our ears. Right now, God, I pray that our ears would be attentive to what you're saying to us, that we would take hold of your word and we would live by it. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.